0: The cancel culture, social media, and an ineffective church. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. In all honesty, putting those three together is like putting together a three-ring circus. And I've been thinking about the programs I'm putting together for this week. And I'm going to try to cover a number of different topics, but there's some that you know, we can spend, and I'll spend a little time later this week on some of the things occurring in, in the world of the virus and vaccines, but I'm going to stay away from that today and most likely tomorrow as well. There are times that we can talk about that all we want, and and we can analyze and break down those numbers all we want, and you know, if you're if you're intellectually honest, you'll find out a lot of what we were told was not true, but... There are other things that are happening at the same time, which using something like a pandemic, well, it makes it easier to, you know, push things through. Pandemic has been the excuse for a lot of things. Last year, the culture, you know, the, the what is called the cancel culture was reawakened like it never has been before in the year 2020. Ironically, the same year as the pandemic, we've gotten into this just absurd nonsense of cancellation. And a lot of good people that would like to, shall we say, protest or push back were kept at home with lockdowns and, and, and fear of a virus. The cancel culture has been a systematic attempt at bringing down the Western world. Period. Period. You ever notice that the cancel culture doesn't want to get rid of evil things like maybe abortion? Oh, no, 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 no. That That's good. They want to cancel anybody with a conservative or pro-family ideology. The cancel culture wants to look at our history and decide that everybody that's white is bad. You know, that white privilege thing going on. I met a lot of people that have lived in Appalachia for generations and and they would laugh at the concept of white privilege. These are people that work long hours farming, trying to make a living the hard way with rough hands, backs that ached, and skin like leather, just trying to eke out a living to, to raise their family. I don't think that they would use the word white privilege. But we're being divided into groups, and you know, the best way for the enemy of anybody to win is to divide your enemy. So our enemy divides us. We're so busy fighting amongst ourselves, we don't even realize we have a common enemy to fight. In much of the Arabic culture, there's a term, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let me say that again and make sure you understand this. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. But those are short-lived alliances because once that common enemy is gone, then you're back to facing off once again with each other. We have a lot of that going on in the United States today. We've been living with this cancel culture for quite a while, but it's never raised its ugly head at such an incredible rate of speed with no, no concern of the consequence. I was reading an article a while back. You know, you know, you've, anybody ever heard of the actor that goes, you know, that you know him as Mr. Bean, and his real name is Rowan Atkinson? He had a great line. He said, the cancel culture of today is like a medieval mob looking for somebody to burn. Let me say that again. Today's cancel culture is nothing different than a medieval mob looking for somebody to burn. Indeed, he is correct. And really, nobody is truly immune to, woke well, politics. It doesn't matter when you may have made your little transgression in life. You could have said something 50 years ago, and you're 60 now. You know, when you're 10, somewhere it got written down. And, and now with the Internet never forgetting... Anything you've ever said or done can probably be found even when you think you've deleted it. If you don't believe me, look for a thing on the Internet called the Wayback Machine. It makes little photographs, so to speak, of websites and postings that even after they're long gone, they're still there. I can find things going back 10, 12 years if I want to look hard enough the cancel culture its real goal is satanic in nature there there is no good in it none zero absolutely none they may sound lofty on the surface but they're evil at their heart and their core they want the world into submission to an ideology that is dangerous deceptive and destructive. When you think of the cancel culture in history and I'm talking in recent history like the last oh I don't know maybe a hundred years the cancel culture of the last hundred years maybe add a few one century of cancel culture one century of cancel culture gave us the Soviet Union under the pretense of a revolution to empower the workers and you know we got to get rid of those evil rich people the evil rich people are the ones that put it all together to get everybody fighting amongst themselves and then the elites even had more power more money more control and everybody else ended up poor that's just how it always works Look at Germany. World War I, post-World War I, and World War II. A madman got into power. And it was, it was made possible because, see, the German people had already been involved with one war, which they lost in World War I and their economy was trashed for a number of years. People had to use wheel barrels of money to buy bread. So a guy coming along talking about restoring the nation, it sounded pretty good considering the existing government was incapable of doing much to improving the lives of the German people who were so defeated for so long And that's how a guy like uh, Adolf Hitler can rise to power. The same tactics are being used today. If you go back to the 1920s and early 1930s, you had Hitler's personnel, whatever you want to call them, his party, his people, his followers. They're beating up people in the streets. They're setting fires. They're rioting. They're burning. They're destroying as they come into power, they begin to burn books. They begin to change the history of their culture and create a new narrative, a new, a new way of thinking. And it always puts more people into fear and bondage, inevitably. China, the same thing they came to power shortly after the Second World War the communists took over and before long the cancel culture went across that nation killing and destroying history and lives property and millions of people died and now here we are in supposedly the freest land on earth the united states of america and the cancel culture is being endorsed and being praised being aided by a political party who are they are determined to rip out anything good in this country and give themselves even more power and control over your lives. It is, an, it is an evil, satanic obsession with these people to run your life. To tell you how you must live and divide and pit one group against the other in such a way that we come into points of anger group to group. Let me just give you an example. I'm not going to get into the virus, so to speak, but let's look at Let's look at wearing a mask during this pandemic. Now, we're going to have to, with some of you listening, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I have talked to enough people that know a lot more than I do. I have read enough material on both sides of the issue. Not just one, both sides. And honestly, you may not believe this, but honestly, those that say, that wearing these stupid little cloth mask or paper things are really not effective at all. They haven't done much of anything compared to those that say they're like the magic bullet. They're not. And I think most people with common sense when you rewear a mask, because, I mean, how many people put on a brand-new paper mask every time they go out? They don't. They keep them in their car over the visor. Or they wear this stupid little bandana. I know what, what everybody says. And, and I, I'm going to give you an example why somebody pointed out something very, just, just simple logistical stuff. If, if this is really as effective as they claimed it was, and, and I like how they have anecdotally, you know, they, they're telling us, you know, this year we've had like nobody dying of the flu. Nobody's getting the flu. It's just been an an incredible thing this year. It's like the flu has been cured. And they'll say it's because we're all wearing our face covering and practicing social distancing. That's why it all works. And we've locked down, and we've stayed home, and we've not gone to restaurants. We've not lived as normal human beings. We've been prisoners and made subjects of our government, of course, for our own good. And they're telling us how effective these masks and lockdowns and social distancing are. They're saying that loudly. That's why the flu is down. But at the same time, they're saying we're not wearing our mask and social distancing, which was why up until the 20th of January, the, the coronavirus numbers were skyrocketing. Well, as if you've listened to this program, and if you follow the news closely, and I mean really closely, there were some changes made in how cases are evaluated. And that was announced on, ironically, the same day that Joe Biden was inaugurated as the president. So effective the day after on the 21st of January, the way a case is counted was substantially changed by the W.H.O. And over the next several weeks, place by place, community by community, hospital by hospital, doctor by doctor, state by state, health department by health department, adapted to the new standard. Are you following? new standard, new way of looking at these cases. Now you had to have something we didn't have to have before. There were several things that happened and I really don't want to get into this but I want to show how control is used and how cancel culture is a part of all this. By changing the standard where you needed to have a positive test which no longer used these incredibly high, and those were changing over the month, where instead of 37 CTs or what they call cycle thresholds, it was reduced down to what the originator of the PCR test had said, something like 24 would be more realistic. And he didn't want you to use it as a diagnostic, but it's just one of several. And now we had to include include symptoms. So a more realistic screening test and symptoms suddenly becomes the new normal for the coronavirus test. And so that's why we're seeing the numbers magically going down. And as we become more aware of how to properly code deaths and go back to the original standard of about a year ago, you're going to see those numbers come down, too. Now, I'm going to equate where all this comes into play. During the riots of last year, and that's what they were, they were. They were just riots. They were burning and looting riots. They were not contrary to what the reprobate minds that speak with their heads spitting out garbage and sewage on MSNBC and CNN will tell you. I still laugh when I look at that video of a CNN reporter standing, I think it was CNN, maybe it was MSNBC, that I can't keep the two reprobate news agencies apart. They're both, they're, they're striving to see who is more ridiculous and unfounded than the other. But when you have a reporter standing there, microphone in hand, and of course a face mask so we don't spread the coronavirus, and behind him is a burning police car. A burning police cruiser. I mean, it's on fire. I'm waiting for the gas tank to blow up. And you see people running around like madmen behind him. Screaming and yelling. And you got a police car on fire. Glass broken store windows. (laughs) And this clown, this complete idiot, this complete reprobate, this complete filthy liar, this complete sold out to everything evil in this world in a mostly peaceful protest. Peaceful protesters here in this city, they're peaceful. They're here uh, for Black Lives Matter and protesting the death of George Floyd. And day after day, week after week, CNN, MSNBC showing, you know, a burnt-out auto parts store, burnt-out buildings. I got a kick out of one story that I read. This is all part of this cancel culture. This one reporter, definitely on the left side of the political spectrum, lived in an apartment. He ready for this, and I think it was in Seattle or Portland, Oregon. I can't remember. One of those two cities. Both have had more than their share of troubles this past year. And he lived above a Starbucks. Isn't that the perfect place for a leftist reporter to live? In a downtown area right above a Starbucks. And he had been out there watching the protest, wherever it was at the day, and you know these peaceful protesters going after those evil, mean corporations and, and federal government buildings and things. And he all of a sudden is tweeting out on his Twitter account. By the way, I dump Twitter. Um, so he's on his Twitter account. He's suddenly in fear because the rioters are trying to destroy the the Starbucks underneath his apartment, and he's scared. He's going to have to leave. They 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 try to set it on fire with him in it. But he is such a reprobate reporter that after it was all said and done, he refused to condemn them destroying a Starbucks. How how far gone does your brain, your common sense, your logic and morality have to be to think it's all right to destroy the Starbucks underneath your apartment because it's for a good cause? This is the cancel culture at work. It uses fear and intimidation. And they learn with the combination of the government lockdowns and the good people staying home and trying to obey the law, they were excused to go out and riot and destroy, burn, loot, and even commit murder. You know, when anybody protests what's going on in our federal government, retrobates evil demonic people like Nancy Pelosi and she is evil and demonic don't be fooled she's not a sweet little grandma she is a political operative that could care less about you and they surround the capitol with you know with fences and razor wire and the National Guard, because it's conservatives, it's evangelical Christians, it's Trump supporters that want to destroy and burn down America. Maybe if the left wasn't so busy destroying America, maybe if America was was not destroying our children in the schools, these these damnable, that's what they are, indoctrination centers of leftism, wokeism, and anti-godism, Public schools today, they have been co-opted over a period of 30 years. They have been taken one step at a time. You know, even Mao Zedong said that. Hitler said it. The first thing you do is you get to the youth, and the youth will turn on their parents, and they will feel that they are serving a righteous cause. German children were turning on their parents if they listened to something on shortwave radio that was forbidden. It didn't take long. You grab a child in those years from age, you know, 5 to age 16, in 9 years, in 9, 10, 11 years, that child is yours. Bring him into adulthood into his 18 and 19 with a uniform and empower them, they'll destroy anything in their path like locusts. Because you've infected their mind with evil and satanic things. That's what our schools have done. So we have the cancel culture. We started tearing down statues because statues are evil. You know, I'm going to tell you a little story, take a little side trip here. I'm glad I had the opportunity a number of years ago, before the cancel culture really set in. We're talking probably 10, maybe 12, 13 years ago. I had the Had the opportunity of visiting Richmond, Virginia. Now, I'm a bit of a history buff, so I really enjoyed looking over the history of that city. Do I believe in everything that the Confederacy stood for? No. Honestly, do I believe everything that the Union stood for at that time under Abraham Lincoln? No. We had a bit of a mixed bag. And I could probably bring on guests and spend hours on the non-issue of slavery. It was not the deciding issue of the Civil War, contrary to popular belief. When you do some extensive reading and studying, you find out that was the least of anybody's worries except a handful of abolitionists. Most people in the North could have cared less as long as they're not here among us. Even in the South, there's enough writing, there's enough going on where they're recognizing that this is not a sustainable way of commerce and life. They already knew they had a generation to make a change. That the entire war was never necessary. That much I have learned. And you begin to learn more about the character of those that were really Involved, and you find out some of the narrative that a lot of people just assume is correct because, you know, people like Joy Bear on The View spew out her lack of intelligence and her stupidity on a daily basis and get paid for it, too. What a job to be paid to spit out nonsense, foolishness, and insanity. But she does. You begin to learn a lot about our our country and our culture when you study history and visiting visiting Richmond, Virginia there's a lot of history there both pre-Civil War, during and after. And if you really take the time, you actually can get a, a broader perspective than I ever had growing up. Remember, I went to school in New York, so I'm going to get more of a, remember, the winner of any war, you know, they, they write the history, for the most part. But I've done some reading and studying about people like Robert E. Lee, for example. And I don't think any of these people really, they didn't want a war. They didn't want it. But they felt they had to when they were under attack. To preserve their way of life and it wasn't slavery as you've been told if you really do the research it was you know not a whole lot of people owned them most people that lived in the south at that time were poor farmers themselves and they didn't have the wealth to own them some cases they had to compete with those that did not everybody lived in you know in a place like Tara in Gone with the Wind. Many lived in shacks trying to eke out a living. But they tried to live by a moral code one to another. Church to people in the South back then more than in other parts of the country was a big deal. Not excusing slavery, trust me on that one. It's something that we inherited from the British and probably should have done something with it sooner, but didn't. We failed in that regard. I'll, I'll, give, I'll say that much. But this attempt to totally erase our history like it never happened and completely strip away the knowledge of anybody that lived in that time, both those that never even owned a slave compared to the few that did, is being disingenuous and phony it's a part of the history of our nation much of it a dark chapter but you go to the end of the Civil War and this is why like I say I, I remember the time I spent in Richmond I went to visit some historic sites near the Capitol building and governor's mansion in Richmond you will find St. Paul's Episcopal Church. That church has been standing for a long time. Jefferson Davis attended that church every Sunday. Robert E. Lee attended that church when he could during that time. There was even a stained-glass window to honor Robert E. Lee. But see, now that we've got the woke culture going on and it really started to show its ugly head when when Donald Trump took office when the woke woke culture came along and now we got to start canceling destroying and burying it's like they all read 1984 one night and decided hey This is a great system. We need a ministry of truth and a ministry of this and a ministry of love and a ministry. Why don't we just use this? It's a great playbook. It works. They empower these young people to go out there to tear down statues. And if you were to ask anybody if they even knew who these people were, they really don't, they have been so poorly educated in our worthless public school system, they don't even know who these people are. But they know that they were a confederate, so they must be bad. Let's turn that, rip that statue down and bust it right off the pedestal and beat it up with sledgehammers. That's the kind of stuff the Hitler youth did. In their version of the cancel culture. There are a lot of people that are gonna be victims of this culture. And if we don't stop it, if we don't resist this cancel culture, we will go the way of the Chinese Communist and the Nazis of Germany. This is
1: Truth To Ponder with Bob Bierman. Palm Sunday is actually a Jewish holiday. That's right. Shalom alechem. This is The Nice Jewish Boy, Jonathan Kahn, Your Jewish Connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Today we begin the Palm Sunday Mysteries. Now growing up as a Jewish boy, few things seem to me as un-Jewish as Palm Sunday. First of all, Sunday wasn't a Jewish day. It was Christian. And waving palms, Jewish people don't wave palms. Hosanna, that had to be Spanish. The whole thing, we couldn't figure it out. We thought those palm wavers were Catholics and Protestants who were busting into Jerusalem for the weekend while the Jews stayed inside and pulled down their shades. But it turns out Palm Sunday is a Jewish holiday. Palm Sunday is actually an ancient Jewish holy day from the days of Moses. Who were waving all those palms that first Palm Sunday? Jewish people were. Hosanna is in Spanish. It's the Hebrew word for save us, hoshiana. And to wave palm branches and cry out Hosanna is an ancient Jewish tradition that Orthodox Jews do to this day. And what is Palm Sunday anyway? It's the entrance of the Jewish Messiah, the King of Israel into the Jewish city of Jerusalem to fulfill the Hebrew prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. What could be more Jewish than that? So when you celebrate Palm Sunday, celebrate the coming of Jesus into your life. But also remember to celebrate the coming of the Jewish Messiah to his ancient people, Israel. Wave the palms and shout for the joy of your salvation, but also remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the salvation of the Jewish people through whom you have received your new birth, and for the day when they all will say, Baruch HaBah Adonai, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Want more? Ask for the Palm Sunday Connection. Now the free gift for you. The mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it. And sapphires with the riches of the Jewish roots of your faith, special teachings, updates on Israel, world events, and prophecy, you'll love it. How do you get all the free gifts? Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and call it. That's it. Call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and to the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's one Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah or HaOlam, the light of the world.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Yes, I know what I'm playing in the background. and And no, I'm not a confederate ready to ditch the country. I'm just trying to share some history here in a moment. And I want to thank you that listen each and every week to this program. And those that have supported it financially, that keep it on the air on shortwave, it means a lot to me. I'll I'll share more toward the end of the program. I just want to get right back to what I'm talking about today. I don't think I'll finish all the topics today, but I'm going to try to at least address a couple of more things. Erasing history is a dangerous thing. Because when you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. That's an old saying that is true. We have students in school today that know nothing about American history. They couldn't tell you who fought in World War II. They don't even know much about the Vietnam War, let alone anything going on in their world. Unless it's on YouTube or it's on Netflix, they're, they're ignorant of the world around them. Our school systems have worked diligently around the clock to keep our students uneducated And keep them simpletons in wokeism. Confederates are bad. History is bad. Tear down the statues because they're bad. And we'll tell you what is good. Just to finish up what I was saying right before the break, just very quickly. That trip I took to Richmond was very enlightening. You see the foundries where they were trying to manufacture, because the South was not a manufacturing base like the North. They were rural. They were agriculturally based for the most part. Big difference. And there's a lot that I learned during that time. I visited a lot of historical sites around Richmond. But you know, the one that stood out, and the one we forget, There's a place on the river that comes through Richmond where the boats came down the river from the northern part of the state. Abraham Lincoln, shortly after the surrender of the South, they show this place that he showed up. I mean, it wasn't a big, you know, time of trying to beat them into submission, so to speak. Abraham Lincoln, if anything, and I I don't agree that we should have had the war to begin with, but we did. One of the things that he pushed for more than anything else was to bring the nation back together as quickly as possible. That was his goal. Now, we can discuss a lot of the other attributes, and I know there's a lot more history than that, but it wasn't a matter that we had to keep the South, quote, defeated forever. Remember, people like Robert E. Lee went to West Point, the military college in New York State. These were Americans at the time the war began, and they were still Americans when the war ended. That's what they wanted. That's what Lincoln wanted to do, is restore the nation as quickly as possible. There's a lot we can learn from that period of time. But when you choose to only amplify a couple of small pieces and negate the rest, then you're teaching a false history. That's all I want to say about that topic. The cancel culture is in full gear. If you say anything that goes against the established tech tyrant narrative, you are doomed to be crushed and destroyed like a bug. Number one, I think besides Nancy Pelosi and a few others like Chuck Schumer, who are mental and spiritual retrobates. period, period, period. Nancy, you're not a good Catholic. You have abandoned the teachings of your church, and you spit in the face of God in doing it. What you need to do is one of two things. Tell the church that I'm out of here because I don't believe it, or resign your position as a congresswoman. I guess you identify as a woman. You can't have it both ways. This is one of those areas where it's not what someone's doing to themselves you are dealing with taxpayer money to kill another human being that is immoral that is is it's satanic it's moloch worship the cancel culture I mean look the cancel culture today only cuts one way only one way It wants to eliminate the idea of Donald Trump from the narrative. That's why you have people like, um, he looks like a meth addict, I'm sorry, the guy that runs Twitter. He acts like one, he looks like one, he's dumbfounded with a deer in the headlight looks every time he's appeared before the United States Senate. Clueless. And then he got Zuckerberg over there at, at fascist book. The cancel culture only goes one way. Trump banished from Twitter because we don't want to hear him anymore now that he's not the president. Mike Lindell, my pillow. Whether you like his pillows or not, I happen to like them. We have some. I also have the mattress topper. I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm just telling you. Ditched by 20 of the woke retailers when he questioned the results of the 2020 presidential election and turned his claims into a video, which I've seen. And he makes a pretty compelling case. I don't believe for one second, just so you know, I do not believe that Joe Biden won the state of Georgia. And I do not believe that Warnock and uh, Ossoff became the two United States Senators from the state of Georgia either. I think there was enough election fraud that was allowed both times. See, it had to be allowed the second time. Otherwise, if they were fixing it, then the fraud would be known. Just so you know, Georgia was a fraudulent election presided by a never-Trumper, idiotic, stupid, retrobate, of a Secretary of State. And the reason I say that is when asked, can we just see the signatures in the ballots? No, no, no. All we get is no, no, no. It was fine. Everything was good. Everything was decent. All we get from that person is the election was fair. It was valid. And then they had the elections for the senators. And they didn't have enough time because of the scrutiny to fix the problems they had. And so by thin margins, the two senators from the state of Georgia, the Republicans, went down. Now here's something amazing. Suddenly, now that those elections are behind us and the legislature is back in session in the state of Georgia, they are diligently trying to plug all the loopholes atrocities that occurred in the Georgia election. There is no way, there is no way that Trump lost Georgia, and there's no way, there is absolutely no way those two people won the Senate. We have a home here. We can't vote here. We vote in Florida. That's our home. I don't cheat. I don't vote in two places. But I've been in this state over the years Enough to know the people and the regions, even the growth of Atlanta. I get it. And I've also watched over, I don't know, 30 or 40 years of absolute, total, unmitigated, unstoppable corruption in Fulton County. It reeks of the corruption, always has, and probably will continue. So I still, when you, don't tell me, Rafsenberger, Mr. Secretary of State, that all those ballots under the table hidden there all day till it only came out when everybody was gone were legitimate ballots i don't believe it you don't believe it but you can't say otherwise or it embar- it pretty much puts you into the conspiracy your hatred of trump allowed this to happen mr Rafsenberger, and i doubt if you'll be the secretary of state after 2022 and i doubt if kemp will survive A primary challenge for 2022. No doubt about it. It's time to take the trash out in Georgia. And we can start with Kemp and Raffsenberger. Yeah, Kemp and his Chinese ties, too. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Cancel culture. You know, I saw this... The ABC, I don't watch a lot of television and I don't watch any network TV. I've given up on them. They're too disgusting. There's not much that I care about anymore on TV. Very little. So the My Pillow guy, he's been banished. And then, you know, Chris Harrison, he's the long term host of the TV show The Bachelor. And he had to step aside after defending a current contestant. When old photos surfaced of her attending an Old South antebellum party. And he said, while I do not speak for her, my intentions were simply to ask for grace and offering an opportunity to speak. Once again, oh, it's Southern culture must be destroyed. Take down the statues. Why don't just come back with Sherman and burn it down again? Burn down Atlanta once. Why not burn down Richmond? Which is don't give him ideas. J.K. Rawlings. I may not agree with her books, but they came after her because she has this, you know, she's kind of, uh, she fears that transgender rights will ultimately endanger a woman's rights. She got that right. I agree with her. I can go down a list of people, former presidents, whose names have been wiped off school buildings like, you know, Washington, Lincoln, and Jefferson. Jefferson. Senators, Their book deals killed. Goya Foods. Tell you what, we buy Goya Foods these days. I always have. I like them. Better, good quality stuff. So, you know, you you can sit there and tell me about all your cancel culture. I don't care about you and your stupid cancel culture because you're canceling history. You're canceling your intelligence. And you're caving into satanic. Aberrations, satanic leadership—it always ends poorly, as it it always will. And all the people that promote it are the ones, many of which end up in its bondage. The cancel culture is a satanic tool that has been—it's the playbook—and because we don't teach anymore in our schools, we indoctrinate. We tell those children that things of God are terrible. We push this awful narrative on our young people today. We have people that graduate high school incapable of doing the basics that most high school students 50 years ago took for granted. They are into their devices and their phones, their social media. I'm telling you, we live in a very dangerous time. The cancel culture is destructive, and it's coming after you, too. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, they're coming after you. Don't believe me? Look at the pandemics and how the churches have been singled out more than any other entity. You can get on an airliner shoulder to shoulder, but they want you to be. We don't have that only 25% occupancy in an airliner only in churches, or 10%, or some ridiculous number, there's a reason. There's a reason they don't want you to gather with your family and your friends, and with your church, because evil wants to have you in darkness, because darkness loves doing their evil when no one can see it, and if the light of God's word and truth shine upon it, it's in trouble. I've got an article I'm going to share maybe tomorrow that really just hit me. But I want to just turn my, my attention for a few moments here to social media. And then I'll talk a little bit about the church uh, before the end of the program. I've been trying to find alternatives, and we're all trying to do that, to the Facebooks. I mean, Twitter, I've already just dumped it. I mean, it's nothing, Twitter is nothing but a sewer of, of anti-God, self-proclaimed intellectuals these days. I've just given up. I have no use for Twitter. Twitter is dead to me and needs to be dead to you because they are dead to truth and honesty and, and anything decent. If you say something against the narrative of Dr. Fauci, they crush you. Just like Facebook lately has had their fact-checkers on top of every little thing out there. You post something a fact-checkers there, and their feckless little fact-checkers are fools. You can post something totally true. Well, that's taken out. You know, You need to know more about it. It's not really true. These syphilis brain morons can just leave my Facebook postings alone because you don't know what you're talking about. You've drank the Kool-Aid by the gallon. So Facebook is becoming a sewer. I mean, it's, it's well, it already is. Uh, Twitter's a total cesspool. And so I've just, you know, abandoned it. I'm gone. My radio shows are gone. It's all gone. I'm done. I'm out of there. Got to notice that some of the accounts, well, they can never be retrieved after a certain, great, let that day arrive, the sooner the better. I've been looking at alternatives and I haven't done much with them, though I've set accounts up at places like Gab. That's one that I set up a while back. Parlor before it went down and now it's back up. I haven't used it much, but it's there. Mewe, I haven't decided yet if I like it or not. Um, there are others that I'm looking at as well that have been recommended and i've I've set up accounts and I'm going to start getting more active but it's just a one man show here you understand that when i do this i got to do the radio program and the social media i have nobody helping me be nice if i did and i also had an email from somebody the other day that wrote after the radio program and this person has put together a a social media site called dan's gate like you know dan as you know from the bible dan And it's called Dansgate, D-A-N-S-G-A-T-E, Dansgate.com. And I'm setting up an account there. I've already got it set up. And I'm going to explore what I can do with it. Maybe I can even post the program there for people that can get it that way from Dansgate. And and what he writes here, I'm just going to kind of share the welcome that he puts there. If you go to Dansgate.com, they're a down-home family and friends network memberships are free in fact it's the most advanced social media platform there is with state-of-the-art user features they do not allow shadow ban or censorship of members they believe in your right to free speech we are a free speech God and and County platform or to our country platform And, and at Dansgate you'll discover some interesting post publishing tools and so I'm going to be looking it over. You may want to check it out for yourself. Dansgate.com, and also we are at um, we have a Truth to Ponder account at Gab, and a couple of others that I'm setting up as well. So I'm going to be looking at the alternative media sites and just kind of weaning away from from you know from fascist book. I'm I'm done with them. I mean we we need to. It's there. I know there are a lot of millions of people there. I get it. We need to, as I've said before, as Christians, begin to stop being so much of the world. We need to start leaving the world behind and become the church. And the church has got some issues as well. Big issues. I've got a good friend of mine, a clergy member, Paul Castellano. I'm going to have him on the program in the not-too-distant future. He just wrote a book. I'm just beginning to get into it. He did an interview with another individual, another clergyman, and on YouTube. And it was shared with me, and he's kind of talking about it. But he said something, and I want you to hear what he had to say. And today we'll kind of start into it, and maybe tomorrow we'll kind of finish the conversation. But this is what Paul had to say. This is my friend Paul Castellano, and he's the author of a book called as it is in heaven. And this is what he tells this guy about today's current church.
2: You know as well as I do that the state of the church, Christianity, mm-hmm. the state of Christianity today is abysmal. It's abysmal. We have so imbibed in what the culture tells us we should be doing that there's we don't understand. As you mentioned earlier, you alluded to it earlier. The fact of the matter is when we walk through those doors, at that moment, at that moment, it's not about us anymore. It's about God. And therefore, as Kierkegaard pointed out, God's the audience. The minister is the direct, the ministers are the directors and the congregation are the players. See, uh-huh. We're supposed to be giving something to God. We're not supposed to be sitting back and being um, emotionally moved <laughs> by a really phenomenal band. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um We're not supposed to sit there and listen to somebody. And this is going to probably tweak somebody, but I'm going to say it anyway. The the fact of the matter is the church historically has always identified word and sacrament, word and sacrament. And if you don't like the word sacrament, word and communion, word and baptism. Those are integral, Calvin said Where the word is preached, the sacraments must be administered. Where the sacrament is presented, the word must accompany it. So they're never separate. But yet, what do we see? We see 45, 50, 55 minutes, one hour, wonderful biblical theological conversations that completely leave the visible sacrifice of Christ, the visible atonement that we see communion, The visible inclusion into the church, baptism, leaves it out.
0: And he's 100% correct. Too much of the church today, Let's let's be honest about this, and I hope I'm not getting some of you upset too much. And if I am a little bit, maybe that's a good thing, and we'll talk about it more if you don't just cut me off and say I'm not listening anymore. But I hope you'll hear me out. There's some things that I want to share with you I'm not going to have time to get into today. I really wanted to, uh, but time has been my enemy. I, I just wanted to talk about the cancel culture. And tomorrow we're going to talk about how the cancel culture is impacting the church, how this spirit of the age, this satanic, retrobate spirit of the age, is working its way into the church, and what we're going to have to do about it to remain the church. Of course the Bible always says there'll be a remnant and we'll be talking about that as well and you know, I, I'm I get emails every day because I'm in ministry and you know I signed up for a lot of stuff over the years and I some of the stuff I've I probably should just unsubscribe but I, I stay there for a purpose to look at some of this stuff just to understand the state of the church today and there are so many variations of the church there's what i call the dead church they're the ones that have abandoned the faith once delivered to the saints reinvented themselves and don't care what the bible says about anything they're done we'll talk about those tomorrow and they look like a church they got pretty stained glass windows they sometimes play a, they have professional organist but they teach they teach a heretical gospel that's not the gospel they teach a satanic gospel to be quite honest dangerous place to be at then there's the lukewarm church we've heard about that one from the book of revelation they're neither hot nor cold they just they kind of are there and god says i'll spew thee out of my mouth for their indifference some churches have got a lot of growth going on because they're doing whatever it takes to get people in. But it's not necessarily the biblical way of bringing people into the faith. And I've been to a lot of these churches. They've got a great light show. They've got a great video system. They've, and, and they've got a great sound system, too. They have a praise band with people wearing blue jeans and spotlights. And a guy that comes out there, he's got kind of like the bar stool thing going on. And a plexiglass little, you know, lectern. And he looks real cool as he shares his wisdom with you. I think that's what Paul Castellano was talking about a moment ago. They've, they don't really care much about how the church... We're there. We're there to give unto God, not to sit there at a show. If you want to go to a Christian concert, go to a Christian concert, but don't call it church want to take a moment to thank all of you that listen to this program each and every week. Many are listening as a podcast, and I'm, we're still at Anchor, we're still at Spreaker, not sure which way we're going to stay. It seems a little bit strange to have two systems, and it's, it's, it's a lot of work to to deal with both. Like I say, I'm a one-man show here. If you believe in what we're doing, would you consider helping us? We only pay for airtime. There's no, there's no staff here. A check made out to Ancient Word Radio, and you can mail it to our address here in Georgia. And that is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Georgia. Two words, Sky Valley, Georgia. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code here. Is 30537. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to
2: Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.